Welcome back to the DWD Podcast. As always, it's Joey. Today, we have a really, really special guest, Anna Grace. Thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you for hopping on. So for people who don't know you, Anna Grace, can you just tell a little bit about yourself? Tell us who you are. Yeah, um, I'm Anna Grace. I'm 16 years old and I live in Minnesota. Um, Oh, my God. And... I am a striker for Fridays for Future, um, and I also do a lot of environmental activism and climate activism in Minnesota, um, as well as nationwide organizing and helping other youth find their voices. Um, yeah. That's that's super cool. I had no clue that you were from Minnesota. I think that adds a whole other element because... I'm in I'm in New York and the the environmentalist movement is super super strong here. I'm curious from your perspective, what's it like being an environmental striker in Minnesota? Like is there a huge turnout? <laughs> um well so Minnesota is like a big base of climate organizers, but then not mm. a lot of like youth organizers and stuff. Um so then youth do show up for like the big deep strikes, which are like when everybody strikes. Um but then for weekly strikes, nobody really shows up. So it's usually just me. <laughs> um, wow. Which is very interesting compared to like on the East Coast where it's a lot of people usually on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah. Is it lonely sometimes? <laughs> it definitely can get lonely and it also can get very, very cold. Um, well, yeah. Which is just like adds on a whole nother thing. <laughs> yeah, I assume so. I mean, it's Minnesota. So when do you usually strike? Um, I usually strike on Fridays, of course, um, and then like mm-hmm. throughout the mid portion of the afternoon, so it's not like too cold out and not getting dark out yet, but it's also like the lunch break for all the workers at the Capitol so they can kind of see that I am there. That's super cool. That's super cool. So how did you get started um, in your environmental activism? What was like the origin point? Um, well, I grew up with my mom who was super, super into the environment. So like there's the boundary waters in Minnesota. So we go canoeing the boundary waters or we take road trips to like state parks and national parks. Um, so that kind of helped me get like a connection with the environment. Um, then I went to some cool environmental camps and then my dad is a big activist. So he did a lot of like, um, activism during a lot of like wars in the past um and like anti-nuclear stuff and all that kind of stuff so he got me into the activism portion um and I kind of realized it was like I don't even know when it happened but I just started noticing just small little changes in the environment um and I started having these conversations with adult peers in my life because I speak with more adults than kids um (laughs) and they were just kind of about how climate change is a thing, but it was at, at a time that nobody really talked about climate change. Um, and so then I started to find out if there are organizations in Minnesota doing it, and I got, I got involved with other organizations here. Um, and then I heard about Fridays for Future after Greta striked um, in September of last year, and then I started striking. That's super cool. So... Can you just tell us a little bit about Fridays for Future for um, some in the audience who don't really know much about it? 
Yeah, so Fridays for Future was an organization started by Greta Thunberg um, from Sweden, and she started striking every Friday outside of the parliament um, to show that we need to take immediate climate action now. Um, And she began doing this after the IPCC report came out, saying that we have about, it said it was 12 years at the time, but it's less now, um, saying that we don't have a lot of time to take action on our future, but also that there are a lot of things going on right now that represent climate change. um, And to kind of show our like elected officials that if we, like this is something that we care about and we will keep making public disturbances because if you don't show up to school, that's an issue. Um, and if you just keep doing that, then people will start to notice. Um, so saying we won't go back to school on Fridays unless you do something for our futures, but then for the people um, who've already been impacted. So like states can also though kind of vary their strikes depending on different policies in their area. So it's like a very free flowing type of thing. That's super cool. By the way, props to props to Greta. I mean, she she's a straight boss. No lie. Oh my gosh, she's a total boss. <laughs> <laughs> what is she? Did she like t- take a boat to the to America on like a non fossil fuel rant? I don't even know the specific. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, she like took a sailboat all the way to America cool. for like. And then I met her in D.C. and. She was late to an award event that we were at because she didn't have an electric car. And we were like, oh, my gosh, she's total boss mode out here. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. She really lives it, though. I mean, like, I've never seen someone genuinely, genuinely live that sort of lifestyle. That's actually one of the things which I really wanted to talk about in this episode. Do you think that people can actually live an environmentally sustainable life without it, like, impeding on the way that they normally live their life? Like, for instance using electric cars, not using fossil fuels, not like using mass produced products that come from like China that are used, but that are made by like basically unjust manufacturing practices. Do you think that it's fully possible to live an environmentally sustainable life? Oh my God. Yeah. I think it's possible and it seems like it's very inaccessible, but it can be pretty accessible after you just kind of start yourself into the routine like the routine of keeping reusable bags in the trunk of your car and then looking through your fridge before buying more food that you really don't need or like starting to realize that you don't need all the clothes that you have and things like that where then once you do one thing it kind of follows behind and like honestly doing these things are more economically sustainable even though we think that they're more expensive in the long run yeah I mean, initially when I was thinking, that I wasn't really too focused on environmentalism before Greta came to the forefront, but initially I thought that I had to make some extravagant changes in my lifestyle, use all glass, um, buy an electric car, make my house run off of electric, but once I saw what Greta was talking about, I was like, wow, you can actually make change without changing your life that much, a small micro adjustments, which I thought was super, super cool. But what sort of micro adjustments can the common American who's listening to this podcast do to change the course of our environment? Yeah. um, So one of the big things is not everybody is able to, you know, go out and kind of do the other things. Like one thing I guess you could say is not eat as much meat because meat 
um, for sure definitely gives for into sure. greenhouse gas emissions um, but not everybody can do that so then also kind of urging elected officials to give in to climate and environmental policy um, because that will make the biggest change um, but then I guess some other smaller things so like eating less meat um, walking taking the bus to different places also kind of just rethinking is this something I need to do right now like could I do this in a different trip? Um, and one of the biggest things that I think is super small and super easy for people um, is like bringing reusable things with you. So I bought my grandparents, for example, bamboo silverware because I always like to go to this restaurant where they have plastic silverware. Uh, you know, just like keeping it in your bag or in your pocket. And then it start, you start to see how many less forks or whatever you've been using or um, bringing your water bottle with you or your coffee cup with you because think about the amount of coffee cups that you're using if you just get something from Starbucks every day. So just small things like that and like bamboo silverware is like five dollars. Just like simple little things. For sure. I think that it's super cool that you added that eating less meat can help out our environment because I started my veganism journey like two years ago without any environmental incentive, just for pure health reasons. Um, but when I started looking more into it, I was like, wow, I can actually do good for the environment, not just myself, you know what I mean? So I, I, th I thought that, that was super, super, super cool. I, I read some statistics somewhere where it was like one cow requires like two something, like a tremendous amount of water and food just to survive and to be fed on our tables on a day-to-day -day basis so it, it truly does add up um also i love how you added that using a reusable water bottle can can add to our environmental sustainability i mean i bought a i think it's called what is it a hydro flask and i get called a visco girl every day <laughs> but it's all good um but yeah i mean besides getting called a visco girl i think it's i think it's um helping out the environment but adding to that i think that there is some sort of societal stigma associated with the environmentalist movement where people look at you funny because you act a particular way or you care more than other people like buying a hydro flask and being called a visco girl has there any stigma which you've seen for yourself throughout your course of environmental activism um I definitely do understand the whole thing of kind of like oh being like a visco girl for carrying around a hydro flask <laughs> or whatever um no but definitely like your lifestyle can kind of you can get really funny looks so like I walked into a coffee shop the other day wearing like these old raggedy jeans and like a used raincoat and everyone's like who is this girl and I was like hey I'm sorry um but then there's definitely just like a lot of stigma about taking those small actions because it's like, oh, I'll just seem like that other petty little white girl over there, which you definitely do. But also it's like you have that immense privilege to do these things. So then if you have that, you should do that and try to use it in your best value, I guess, if that makes sense. For sure. I mean, we live in a consumerist society, so... I think that the environmentalist movement is pushing that, I don't want to say minimalism because they're completely different movements, but more conscious lifestyle. For sure, for sure. Yeah. So I want to shift gears a little bit to 
the figurehead of the environmentalist movement. I know that we talked about her a little bit. Greta Thun- Thunberg, Th- Thunberg, I never know how to pronounce <laughs> her last name. I'm sorry. Um, but Greta, let's talk a little bit about her. She's a 16-year-old girl, if I'm not correct, if I'm incorrect. Um, she lives in Sweden? Yeah, she's 16 and lives in Sweden. <laughs> Super cool. So what's like? What's her significance in the movement? Um, so one of her, first of all, she's like the first striker, which kind of, you know, of course, had the boom. Um, but she's super significant in the movement because she is there representing the voices of all people. Um, and she's there to just bring in science and go to political leaders and say, hey, like, this is this is important to me. Um, so she's kind of set up that voice and that platform to other youth to come forward and tell their stories. Um, and she's also just a very humble person who's doing it not for herself and not for the clout, but she's doing it for the greater good of everybody. Um, and she just, she honestly just brings forward the science and like every single testimony she gives. And she says, Hey, listen to the gosh darn science. <laughs> yeah. That's super cool. Do you think that a a lot of people are critical of Greta, particularly because she's young? And a lot of times people say that she doesn't have a particular connection to the movement. Like other people have a connection to their movements. Like, for instance, like Malala for women's education. She has a hands-on experience where she can say, hey, I was literally injured from my attempt to go to school. Um like follow my movement but for Greta it's a little bit different because it's not like as direct as being for instance like shot right she's just a girl who's leading a movement who has a passion for the environment a lot of people are critical of her because they're like oh she has no connection to the environment why should I follow in her footsteps why should I listen to her she's just another girl what do you have to say to those people um what I have to say to them is she does have a connection. Um, Every single person has a connection to this movement. It's not that kind of thing where you need to have some extravagant story, but you need to simply live on earth to have um, a connection to it. So just like listen to her voice because you are being impacted too in the smallest ways that you can't even think of. Um, but it's also just the society that's being impacted and our food chain and such. So she understands that she's being impacted, um, in the future, but also just like in the smallest ways. Um, and she also though has amazing, amazing evidence and connections to everything. Cause people are like, Oh, this is just made up. Um, but she has connections with the world's greatest scientists and the world's greatest like reporters and, the world's greatest political leaders. So she's a very, very trustworthy individual, but she also carries forward the stories of the people who have been impacted. Um, Because although she might not have that story of, you know, her house being hurt by the hurricanes, but she knows people who have. And so she can tell their stories when they can't for themselves. That's super cool. And I I think she became like a super important person in the environmentalist movement. Maybe like a was it like a year ago? Yeah, about a year ago. That's What do you think what do you think allowed her to gain that much fame? Um I think that's a great question. So I think one of the things that allowed her to have that much fame is that she's just so humble about the topic. Um 
and it's not about her. Um, and she's kind of tried to shy that attention away, but she's also very realistic about everything. Cause usually people go, Oh yes, climate change. Oh, it's there, but not really give the hard, like sad parts about it. So she definitely has given the reality to it and she shows her emotional pain. Like you can just look at her and think she's hurting. Um, so I think that's really helped her gain the attention. But then also that she's willing to give the platform to everybody else that she can to speak. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that the first ways that I found out about her was through social media. I feel like the environmentalist movement is driven almost by social media. Like all, all the marches are organized um, through the Internet. Um, they're publicized on Instagram, Facebook, just to show like the engagement. How do you think that the community has been impacted by its social media influence? I think that the community has definitely been impacted in positive ways um, because you can just learn so much from other people from like around the world, but also people in your area and see what they're doing um, and just kind of see what you can do and how you can pitch in. So she definitely grew off of social media because she was like, you know, she didn't have that many Twitter followers. And then people started retweeting her tweet and she'd get millions and millions of retweets. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely been a positive impact for everybody to share their stories, share their perspectives, um, you know, share articles that are important. But it also has been kind of negative in a way um, for the movement because there are a lot of Twitter trolls and a lot of haters who will attack young activists. Um, so it, it kind of has its positive and its negatives. For sure. I love how you talked about the Twitter trolls. I mean, what, what really irritates me is that, you know, this girl is exposing herself to the world. She is physically saying, I don't care what people have to say about me. I'm going to speak my message. And if people listen to me, go for it. If they don't, then they don't. But I watched a video, I think, two days ago, maybe. Um, where there's some guy and he posted a video on YouTube saying Greta is unable to answer a question for um, like regarding the environment or something like that. I don't know if you've seen something similar to that. It's basically like a forum um, where she's like, oh yeah, can you please ask the other participants questions? But I mean, I think that we need to focus on the general message. I, I, I hope that you would agree that we need to focus on the general message that she's talking about and instead not focus on the idiosyncrasies of how old she is or how much knowledge she has. Cause ideally I don't think that the knowledge base is the main factor that's contributing to the movement, but it's her sheer passion for what she's talking about. Um, but I'm a little bit concerned as to the longevity of the movement itself. Obviously environmentalism is super popular right now. I think that there was a pretty big handful of people who go to my school who went to the march in New York City. But what I'm most fearful of is if the movement is going to thrive in the future, 10 years, 20 years down the line, do you think that the environment's, envi- environmentalist movement will still be a thing? Um, That's a great question. So it definitely is getting its like publicity and popularity right now. 
but it's dying down again, of course, because there are other things that media wants to cover. And so then people's energy levels are kind of going down too, because they're like, well, I guess there's not a lot to talk about because nobody will look at us. Um, But I definitely do think in the future, there is some potential. Like I know the next elections for like the presidential election, there is definitely going to be some fun organizing and hype there about getting different candidates endorsed by different organizations. Um, But I don't know for sure, because I think it is a very, very important movement. Um, And hopefully more and more people will come to join it. But it's also a movement that shied away by so many other people. So I do see it as continuing to be there, but it might just be in smaller groups, but it might also be in bigger groups. It just kind of depends on how much the media wants to cover on it. Because when a media covers more on it, more people do it, more energy is put into it. And when it's not as much, less energy is put into everything, which is kind of Mm -hmm. a disappointing drive for your activism, but that's kind of the reality of it. Yeah, for sure. I I know that you mentioned um, something regarding candidates. Do you think that candidates, uh, the presidential candidates for the 2020 election actually care about the environmentalist movement or that they're just using it as a voting point? Mm, I think some of them care about it, whereas others are just using it as just kind of a platform to get voters, as you were saying. Um, it's definitely very complex, though, and it's also kind of frustrating to see everybody's different plans. But I don't know. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of that's one of my biggest gripes with the movement itself is I just don't know how genuine people are. I, I think that's with like any movement though. I'm curious from your perspective, do you think that the community engagement that we've seen so far of people going to the environmentalist movement or people posting things on Instagram, do you think that it's actually genuine and they live the life that they're preaching? No, I don't, with all honesty. I think there are a good amount of people who are genuine about the things that they're doing. Um, but there are also a good amount of people who are just there to kind of get the clout that they were there or to say, yeah, I do care about the environment, but I'm really not going to do anything about it. Like, cool. I have my little reusable straw, but like that really doesn't represent that their whole lifestyle is based around this. So like, you'll meet people who are like, yes, I'm an activist. And I'm like, I spend 40 hours a week on this. So I don't think that you're like doing anything because you don't even show up to any meetings. So it's kind of hard because it's like, you're not genuine about the things that you're doing. So there are a lot of like visco girls out there who are like, care about the environment, but they're not as much involved um, and don't take a lot of actions other than their little reusable straw. So it is kind of a complex thing. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. I was having this conversation similarly about slacktivism, which I think is kind of what you're aiming towards. There's so many people who I've seen who have posted things about the environmentalist movement or um, the march that we had just a few weeks ago. And some people who posted didn't even didn't even go to the march. And I can literally see them every single day using a Poland Spring water bottle. So I don't know. I just see some sort, some type, sometimes some hypocrisy in the way that people act. But I just don't know if, if like just posting things is that bad. Like, do you think that slacktivism can be a good thing sometimes? 
Um, yeah, I think it definitely can be a good thing. And like, honestly, if you're posting about it and using your platform, that's amazing because the more people will see that and reflect on that. But it is frustrating when it's like you say you're doing something, but you're actually not doing as much as you really should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I super, I super agree with that. So I want to, I want to shift gears a little bit to the more governmental side of the environmentalist movement. I know that a few deals and bills have been brought to the forefront of U.S. government, including the Green New Deal. I'm sure you're familiar with it, um, heavily campaigned upon by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, do you, Have you seen any changes in governmental legislation since the introduction of Greta? Um, I definitely have seen more excitement around it. Um, I wouldn't say in our, like, nationally in D.C. things are happening a lot. Um, but, like, the Green New Deal, for example, the resolution came out with the Sunrise Movement, and that was a big thing. Um, but definitely, I think, looking more at local, like, state, city levels, I think Greta has made a huge impact on those. So, for example, in Minnesota, we wrote the first ever Green New Deal bill. Like a group of youth, we got together and we were like, we need to write a bill. Like, we need to do something now. Um, and because of that, now Washington and California and all these other states are starting to call, kind of follow in that like footsteps, um, which then will, of course, lead D.C. to start thinking about that more. But I do think that the leaders in D.C. are really inspired by Greta um, and the things that she's done. So it's like at a press conference with um, Senator Markey and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um, and all these really, really cool elected officials who are working for our national government. And they were doing it all inspired by the work that Greta has done. So that is definitely very hopeful for me because I think they do have some fun little policy things that they're kind of working up right now. For sure. For sure. Though I've always I've always questioned kind of the strength of the movement theoretically if governmental action were to be taken like directly. We were to change the way that our country functions, we were to shift to a more environmentally stable energy sources. If government were to actually comply with what the people were asking for. I have two major questions. One, do you think that Gov this would actually happen ever where we would basically reconcile our relationship um, with the public and the government regarding the environmental uh, environment. And two, do you think that governmental engagement would weaken or strengthen the movement? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think that the government um, and the public have a decent relationship about these policies but I think that if the government gets too involved um, with environment and stuff um, it is kind of driven by I really hate to say this again but like it's by the cloud and it's not mm -hmm. necessarily genuine it's just kind of to grab more voters um, which is definitely harmful but then of course um, if they do write policies like the Green New Deal for example and if it gets passed like then there's so much potential and it of course is going to help us solve the climate crisis so it is a really it's hard like it's really really hard but 
unfortunately, the world is just like so clout driven, um, which is just really, really hard. For sure. For sure. I think that the one thing which we can do is make keep the environmental and the environment clout worthy. Keep on having people like Greta in the forefront. Keep on having these marches showing that the environment cares to the younger audience. But reflecting on your experience working with environmentalist groups, how can you say that the environmentalist movement has changed since you've started working, um, working with certain groups such as um, Fridays for Future and the Minnesota groups that you talked about before to now, the present day? How do you think that it's changed? Yeah. um, So I think the biggest thing is the numbers have changed. Um, For example, last year at this time when I was working in groups, it was like five to 10 of us at the max. Um, and then it's grown and grown and grown and grown. And now there are like hundreds of people. Um, so I think things have definitely grown, which is amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, and I think another big change I've seen is historically the environmental movement has, um, embodied a lot of racism because, and also just not noticing the amount of privilege that people have had to go out to the environment and experience those types of things. Um, And they've pushed out people of color and people um, with different backgrounds. Uh, But now it's starting to kind of resolve those issues and to be a more open movement. And that's definitely been shifting over the past even year uh, with amazing activists coming forward and being like, this is my problem too. We need to open up a space for everybody. Wow, that that I really love that you added to the ingrained racism in the environmentalist movement. I mean, we've seen it in other movements. We've seen it in the feminist movement. We've seen it in the education movement. Now we're seeing it in the environmentalist movement. I love that we're breaking those walls, breaking those barriers, and really moving towards a better future. Thank you again, Anna Grace, for hopping on this episode. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm sure that the audience really appreciates it. Do you have any concluding notes on the episode? Anything that you want to shout out? Um, tips, tricks, general messages to the public? Now's your time to say it. Yeah, I think the last thing to say is, first of all, um, pressure your elected officials about climate legislation in your area or environmental legislation in your area or nationally. Um And then, of course, um, be aware of the things that you're doing. So be aware of your meat consumption. Even cutting out meat one day a week is super amazing. Um, Or be aware of how many cups you're using. Or be aware of the small things. Like if you're buying more groceries and you already have groceries in your fridge and then everything's going to get old. Um, So just be aware of the small things like that. um, And just kind of notice yourself. And that will help you make changes for the greater um, span of time. For sure. Thank you again. As always, this is the DWD podcast. Our information will be in the description if you want to contact us about this episode. If you have anything to tell us, feel free to do so. Signing off. Peace.